Shakeups in the NHL. Oh boy, we got a lot to get to here. It's World Hockey Report presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts. Now open in Edmonton, Alberta on St. Albert Trail Northwest. Oh boy, we got a ton. Claude Julian gone from Montreal. We're going to dive into all of that. We're going to kick off the show here in just about a minute. Ryan Leslie, TV host over at Sportsnet. And we've got Pierre Bon, Avs writer for The Athletic, coming up. In about 20 minutes time, 40 minutes time, it's NHL insider Brennan Clack coming on the show today. Let's snap it over to Saskatchewan. Say what's up to Adam Ehrman Trail. Buddy, what's going on? Not much, man. It's a big party here with the Babs back in town. <laughs> and uh, Oh, yeah, man. We'll, we'll have to get into that one, too, but we got a bigger guest first. Yeah, that's uh, that's a cliff to dive off of with our fans here. They're going to love it. But first, Lord Cole Auto Parts has been a household name in communities across Western Canada since 1974. The trusted place to shop for your automotive needs. Lord Cole proudly Canadian owned and operated. And now they have finally come to Edmonton, carrying much more than car parts. Their newest store on St. Albert Trail Northwest has a huge selection of aftermarket auto parts, accessories, and a dedicated truck center. Whether you're looking for high-performance parts, shop equipment, paint body supplies, outdoor gear, whatever you need to get your RV on the road or your boat on the water, Lord Co's got you covered. Driven to keep you moving, Lord Co Auto Parts open seven days a week. Visit them today for an exceptional customer experience or learn more about their products and services at lordco.com. Time to bring on our first guest here of the day, TV host for Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada. It's Ryan Leslie joining us. Ryan, how's it going? Boys, it's great to be with you. I'm well, thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you again for short notice, making time, hopping on the show. I know the Flames have been a hot topic. Boy, they've had some ups and downs, but I got to say that win over the Leafs, it's a pretty big up for them in a season where, you know, it looked like a shakeup was necessary. You got to, you know, talk with them again today after the, you know, the morning skating stuff. Do you think that this win could potentially be a turnaround in their season? I mean, Riddick plays great. The course shows up. I know they're not facing the the Leafs A-plus team here, but uh, what's the vibe you're getting? Well, I think it's like uh, any other, you know, win or loss for this group. They've got a 12-hour rule where they look at it, dissect it, and then it's forgotten. Certainly, you want to build on, off a performance like that because, as you said, their core was rolling – the, P- the PK was lights out against a pretty dangerous team. Uh, the power play was rolling. Guys kind of snapped out of a few slumps, and, and the goaltender for Calgary needed, and I underscore needed, to get a win. And don't forget, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner were still in that lineup. And, you know, there were a couple of key pieces missing, some older guys, some injuries, this type of thing. But for Calgary, they needed a win. Probably too early right now to say, that it's a turning point in their season, but they desperately needed that and they got it and they got it in a way that had to feel good. Uh, today, there was a lot of talk about their PP, their PK, keeping uh, Toronto in check and um, enjoying the win, learning from it and moving on and getting ready for tonight. But certainly that's what this group needed, especially, you know, with all the heaviness in and around it of late inside the locker room, in the media, 
this was something that something needed to give. It's still a huge road trip by all accounts. So we'll see how it plays out one game at a time, but certainly that's what they had to have. You mentioned inside the locker room and inside the media. So they had that players only meeting after the Kachuk Muzzin thing. And then Elliot Friedman this week is kind of saying they're just like waiting around, expecting a change. Just what's the vibe like there? Cause I mean, it seems like every year at the flames, there's these big like statement games that maybe help some people's jobs for a month. And then after that, it kind of goes down the drain. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of internal conversation amongst the players, and uh, certainly the coaches are kind of in that uh, in that uh, bubble, if you will, in terms of blocking the noise out. But um, yeah, the, this thing just has to play itself out. It's a group that's been together; they haven't had success, and it's got to turn around. And I know, uh, in speaking to them as many times as I have, they're tired of it, and. Where are, you know, it's easy to point the finger here. If you think the coach has made bad decisions or if you think the players aren't good enough, that's fine. That's fair. But it, there's a lot to go around. And it's not just one thing. Does a new coach fix it? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe. Maybe that's the shakeup you need. Does a blockbuster trade? Possibly. But it's got to be the right fit because the reality is this thing hasn't been working for a while in terms of uh, a postseason success. And you have these bumps in the road during the regular season wasn't that long ago they had 107 points but you've got a lot of work to do before you get back to that point right i want to ask about the goaltending here because obviously the marks from moving the offseason that's considered a massive move on the nhl scale here but do you think that that has really been a difference maker for them i mean i've seen a fair amount of the flames games not all of them though but is he that much of an upgrade over Cam Talbot that he's the difference maker? Or do you think maybe the Flames haven't addressed their actual needs to this point? Well, that has been a need. Um, that has been a need that uh, Brad True Living went out and addressed. And to answer your question about has it been a big difference? Yes, it has. Was Cam Talbot or Mike Smith uh, the year prior to Talbot's tenure the issue in the postseason? No. Um, it might have. They might have been the issues in terms of the regular season not getting enough wins in Talbot's case didn't maybe get as many opportunities as he'd like because David Riddick was playing so well early on but Cam Talbot was sensational when called upon in the postseason and that's when it matters most Mike Smith against uh, uh, Colorado and beyond uh, you know in his tenure here certainly in the postseason was not the issue what is Jacob Markstrom the difference early on the last couple of outings not so much early on I'd shudder to think about where this team would be without him early on. We could be talking about, you know, below Ottawa at this point, uh, early on. That's how good he was. And he's a presence in the room. He's a presence on the ice. He's a competitor, a big guy. He's a big personality and he's fit in seamlessly. I know he's not happy with the way things are going. Who would be? No one over there is. So yeah, he's been everything that they've asked and more and everybody, including the team in front of him, has had a couple of bad games, and so he's day-to-day now. I don't expect him tonight, um, but certainly with a back-to-back situation between Toronto and uh, Ottawa, th- there's a good chance you could see him. But they've got to make some uh, some tweaks elsewhere, and, and certainly others have to step up uh, in his absence. I think the quote Jeff Ward used was day-to-day for a while, which, which I guess means week-to-week or whatever it was, but... What uh? Well, he spoke this morning and and talked about you know the idea that it's you know it doesn't look as though tonight, but with a back to back, you never know. And yeah, it could be a while, certainly. Um, 
but he will remain day to day. Yeah. So what, um, with this flames team, I mean, whether people want to rip on Jeff Ward, I mean, he is the lowest paid coach that that's publicized in the league, but with the team, do you think that there's just too many holes? I mean, the entire right side has been an issue and, and a lot of the bottom six has, has really struggled too. Uh, well, I would question the bottom six. I mean, it wasn't that a couple of games ago when you saw Lucic, Bennett, and Dubé return to form like you saw in the postseason. The problem was is that right after that, Jeff Ward mixed them and blended it again. So uh, bottom six, you know, yes. Uh, I, I remember when the bottom six was, was playing well for a couple of games, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, what's wrong with the top line? <laughs> it's spread around, and uh, you just can't win unless you've got all four lines going in the minds of of the public, it seems. So no, the bottom six has certainly got to make improvements. Everybody does. This is a team that's been struggling. It's what, that's what we're talking about. You know, a team that has not been good enough. Um, but, but yeah, there's, there's plenty of blame to go around and certainly, uh, you know, Matthew Kachuk on down, uh, Sean Monahan, uh, you know, the only guys that have really been pretty good, pretty consistent, I would say Elias Lindholm and Johnny Gaudreau has been pretty good. Um, I think Markstrom early on for maybe 75% of this season has been their best player. So there's plenty of blame. There's plenty of uh, looking inward and there's plenty of room for improvement. Ryan Leslie, our guest here, TV host at Sportsnet for Lord Co. Auto Parts. I got to ask though, I mean, with this core, is this a team, I know it's an off year too with the North Division, but do you think this is the team, this is the roster that has a chance to make some noise, or do you think there's major changes that need to happen before the Flames see themselves winning two or three playoff series? Yeah, I think there's some key pieces that uh, are ones you don't want to touch here, Uh, but I think there's also some room for a couple of key pieces. I think you could, uh, to be added, I should say. Um, you could certainly tweak. You could certainly go out and try. It, it's really hard, guys, to make a move when you consider the Northern Division and the disadvantage that, that it has, the North Division, because if you bring a player in from a stateside division, you've got to sit at this point for two weeks in quarantine. So do you really want to be making a deal with a, you know, a North Division partner and see them all the time? I don't know if you want to see them nine seven times in a season. I I don't know if you want to make a move and send a player to Toronto or Winnipeg or Montreal or Ottawa and then have them face them so many times. So there's all kinds of challenges with this, but, but they certainly need, uh, they certainly need to, to do something. And I would imagine it would come by way of, of player bail, but guys, the market is so hard right now. So you know, the outside, everybody says, well, move Gaudreau, move Bennett. He wants to go. It all sounds great, except you got to find a market. And the market for Brad Living is such that until he gets what he feels is fair value, his hands are really tied. Yeah, no, I mean, like, there's nothing you really can do. But, Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. I know there's a lot of down talk about the Flames. We'll have to get you on maybe if they go on a bit of a run here. Love it. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Ryan Leslie right there for our friends at Lord Co. Auto Parts. Wow, that's a lot to digest about the Flames. Because, I mean, he, he puts a really good positive spin on it for some things, but there's also a, a part of me maybe a little cynical that's saying, no, there's no chance this team has a, like you know the, the guts to go on a run. No. I don't know. Do you think Jeff Ward's the guy quickly? Uh, I. It's hard to say. Like, the... 
I mean, Ryan kind of alluded to it a bit there. Where he's like, yeah, their third line was playing really well. And then, yeah, sure enough, Jeff Ward just blended them up again. <laughs> I mean, the thing I saw the other night was he played Nesterov against McDavid like four shifts in the first period. And I was just, okay, <laughs> probably shouldn't happen. But, I mean, like you, you, get, you get with what you pay for. And, I mean, the Flames are kind of, I don't want to say a cheap organization, but they definitely aren't aren't spending a lot these days and they're spending 900 grand on a coach when everybody else is spending 4 or 5 million so you get with what you pay for and I was going to bring this up but we ran out of time but uh Jeff Ward's contract runs out at the same time Johnny Gaudreau's and Sean Monahan does I think or Monahan might have a year but it's just I mean it's it's the final the last dance really make a Netflix talk about the Flames <laughs> Well, I think they're saving up money for a new rink, but uh, we'll we'll dive into that a the, different the people time. Like, the taxpayers are paying for that. <laughs> oh man, they're gonna love that. I think Edmonton taxpayers paid for Rogers Place, though. So yeah. whatever. Basically, friends up here in Alberta. We got a ton of NHLs to news to get into, though. Let's talk about it for our friends at Pro Rock Hockey. Pro Rock Hockey Sticks, a Canadian company changing the way we buy hockey sticks now. What's the number one problem you face when buying a top-of-the-line hockey stick? Well, they cost $300-plus, which is wild. Pearl Rock top-of-the-line stick weighing around 400 grams at the best price point. Check them out today, ProRock.com. And, hey, we got a cool promo on this one, too. They said, think you could ever get 100 retweets on a show again? said, all right, let's give it a try. Let's do it. Blow up the retweets on this one, and we'll give you a free Pro Rock Hockey stick. We're giving it away. Pro Rock Hockey, you got to retweet this show, though. It's going to be pinned in our post on Twitter at World Hockey RPT. Find it there. Adam, what do we got for NHL news? Well, uh, Montreal gas Claude Julian and Kirk Muller today. I didn't. I was kind of surprised by this one. Like, I think they've lost like five of seven and three of those games to Ottawa. They got screwed last night. Let's be real. Like the, the Gallagher interference where sure enough, he, he did interfere with Matt Murray there, but Matt Murray kind of got up, looked around a bit and then sat himself. And I guess if you want to protect the goalies, go ahead. But I got to catch you off there because here's where international hockey wins 10 times out of 10 is that if there's contact with the goalie, if they're in like skate in the crease, whatever, cut it through the ref just blows it down. None of this, oh, let's wait and see, is this a proper amount of time for the goalie to get set? No, it's black and white. Did you make contact? Yes, blow it down. Did you go through the crease? Yes. Did you impede his movement? Yes, blow it down. The NHL, that's what they got to figure out. I don't really care about, oh, this was blown down offside and it wasn't offside. Like, cry me a river. It's going to happen when you've got human refs out there. But the things that you can make black and white, do so. That's goalie interference. Yeah, I agree with that because there's just so much unknown and and half the time that there's an offside or something, I guess that's a different topic, but the offside is, it's like a minute later, it's like, oh, maybe their their foot was offside. But yeah, I mean, with with Montreal, they, they're just kind of underwhelming, right? They had a really good start to the year, but outside of Tyler Toffoli, who just lit up the Canucks, they, they haven't really gotten much from their forward group and Julian's playing every single player like 15 minutes a night, just evening it out right across and... I mean, you look at the ten and a half million dollar guy in net, he's got a sub nine save percentage, which which isn't gonna help any coach. No, and I mean that's uh that's reason eight to to get fired. But uh, you know, if you're show me a good goaltender, I'll show you a good coach, right? I think uh stealing that from someone. Uh should we talk about the other coach that's making news? Should we just dive into yeah. that? Yeah, let's, yeah, I let's want your thoughts it. on Babs. Uh I don't, everyone in Saskatchewan's gonna defend the guy. Um I will too. I, I think that 
he's he's coming here and with university hockey i i saw it on overdrive and i i know a lot of the guys on the team and their equipment manager shouted to him but you know that it's university hockey the guys are yeah okay we'll, we'll play this weekend the top guys are like okay like maybe we'll get a deal but at the end of the day like the guys they want to sweep the weekend friday saturday and then go to boston pizza and have have 20 beers right like it's not it's not this or that, or if there's a concert on a Tuesday, you bet your ass the guys are wanting to go to that. And I mean, it's university hockey. It's, it's only a one year, I guess a one year, maybe a two year thing, depending on what he gets offered. But I guess he's going to groom an assistant coach. The committee is going to look at four or get it down to four. And then Babcock's going to step in and, and put in his word there. But look, he seemed to get it yesterday. I saw some of his interviews and he said that, you know, I don't, I don't run it. The players have been here for a while. They run it. We'll see how long that actually lasts. But sounds like I mean, hockey. I mean, yeah, it's like good for the University of Saskatchewan. It's a it's a huge name to get. The guys still getting paid six million by the Leafs. So I don't know. It's it's tough to say, right? It is. And I think you made a really good point where has Babcock done enough to, you know, have a positive look in the public eye? No. Is this part of his redemption tour? Sure, I think it is in, you know somewhat i mean he's gonna get grilled by the media he's the the players aren't gonna take any shit from him they're not going to i mean we all know players who played cisu sports they don't want this guy walking around with a 10-foot hammer out there thinking he runs the show these guys want to get wrecked at outlaws they want to hammer the piss out of the university of regina and that's what it is i mean is babcock there to help pick the next head coach yeah i think that's what it is it's a one-year thing i don't think he's getting back into the nhl not getting paid either yeah, no, like that's, I mean, for the University of Saskatchewan, how many more tickets are they going to sell because of it? There's a publicity stunt to it. They'll probably just raise student tuition to pay <laughs> to pay for Babcock, honestly. But in, in the in the future, no, that's, yeah, that's fine. I'll be paying honestly, for Babcock. Honestly, if I can, you know, be fully transparent here, I think he's done some pretty scumbag stuff. I don't think he's apologized properly for it, but also I don't think we need to sit on the guy forever. I mean, you know, give him his chance. If he wants to do better, if he wants to apologize, that's great. Again, you know, there's still steps that need to be taken. All right. Uh, other, other news. Uh, also thoughts and prayers out to Tiger Woods. Holy yeah, geez, yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a messy one. Okay. More NHL news. Lastly on, lastly on Babcock though. I mean, for what he's done for Saskatchewan and I mean the children's hospital and all his events, I mean, good for him to come back. And that's kind of the positive side of the Mike, Mike Babcock. I mean, he refers to himself in, in third person. So yeah, we have never talked. I don't even know if we talked about Carolina on this show. What do you make of them? Like they're number one nope. in a lot of po- Carolina. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What do you make of them? I mean, they're a really good team, right? They're frauds. They don't have goaltending to make it in the playoffs. They're a solid team, don't get me wrong, but like, are they an actual contender? No, it's Carolina. Come on. It's, uh, they got good pieces. Don't get me wrong. They got good players. Uh, I don't think they've got depth. Their goaltending is regular season made. They got a one-two punch that rarely works in the playoffs. I don't know. I mean, look at Peter Mrazek's playoff performances. And if you think you're winning the cup with James Reimer, send you to Hartford. Yeah, uh, I think Carolina's top four D is amongst the best in the league with Slavin and Dougie Hamilton and Brady Shea and uh, I don't even know who's there, Hayden Flurry or something. But yeah, they 
they're good. Is he a just... Notre Dame kid? Hayden Fleury's a Notre Dame kid, isn't he? Yeah, he's from like by Regina, so Carlisle, Notre Dame, whatever. So yeah, I mean it's it's good for Carolina, I guess. It's a nice story, but I don't think anybody's really going to the playoffs being yeah, Carolina. Okay, can we talk about Felino beating the wheels off that Russian kid? Yeah, oh good for my goodness. I've never seen three solid rights like that landed on someone and props to that Russian for standing up. I mean, he got graded. I mean, it looked like a can of tomato soup opened on him. Like that's yeah. a rough one. That's are part you, of the respect thing. Are you? Yeah. It was cool that he called the refs over. Okay. This is like where visors and I get it. Like he probably didn't get in too many scraps of the visor on, but like, are you a fan of them taking off their helmets for the sake of like your knuckles having a little bit more longevity in a fight? Like, I get it, it's not ideal, and you can fall and crack your head. But, like, there's also a part of it that's like, hey, we're going to save some knuckles here that you need for hockey. Well, I think your head's more important than your knuckles are, so that's that's my take on that. Um, I, also think, take. I also think a part of fighting, like, part of being a good fighter is, like, getting the guy's bucket off, right? If if you're going there and... Do you remember back in the day in like midget triple A two guys two guys two guys is with cage with cages would fight, but they would like have it I think I seen this once where they had it where before they even started fighting they would stand there and like undo the buckets. Yeah, oh then, no, like, that's always and it began like a full on street fight at that point, but but yeah, I, I mean like if you don't want to hurt your knuckles don't fight i guess but save save your head these days oh man i got so many good fighting stories from zach mckay spencer Wan, josh Wick, all those guys in bantams midgets we were wild also shout out brandon hagel first nhl goal but let's head off to commercial we got uh abs writer for the athletic peter Bump coming up next here we'll dive into the abs outdoor game lake tahoe still a ton more to get to it's cody jans and adam urban trout with you on world hockey report World Hockey Report, presented by Lordco Auto Parts. Learn more at lordco.com. Follow Lordco Parts on social media. All right, this interview is brought to you by Coco Vodka and Coco Rum. Back for another season is of hockey is our great friends at Coco Vodka and Coco Rum. The best drink you'll ever have is on more shelves than ever across Alberta. Refreshingly different, Coco Vodka and Coco Rum is a vacation in a can. Enjoy the cocoa life with us. It's high quality ingredients, no fillers, no beer bloat, no cheap liquor. Cocoa vodka and cocoa rum is the real deal. All right, pleased to be joined by one of the guys who got to experience Lake Tahoe last weekend. Peter Baugh, Avalanche writer for The Athletic. Peter, how are you today? I am well. How are you guys doing? We're good. What? Uh, so you're in Lake Tahoe. What did you make of the whole debacle or experience that it was? So... I had a I had a I had a great time. <laughs> I, I think the league probably was a little maybe disappointed with how some of the things things turned out, but really like they were able to pull off a beautiful venue. Like it, it looked great. Um, maybe they should have I guess put, foreseen some sun issues considering Tahoe is a pretty sunny place. But I think it for an event that was pulled together pretty quickly, it was a really a gorgeous space, and it was it was really fun to be there and to, to see it in person. What was that first period like? I mean, on TV, you catch the snippets of a couple of guys falling and tripping. Like, was that happening happening more often than we saw? Or are they just, you know, kind of blowing those out of proportion with how bad the ice was? Yeah, so admittedly, I was actually kind of, the, the view we had was very scenic in that we could see the rink and we could see the players and you could see the puck when you tried hard, but we didn't necessarily have a great view of the action. We were kind of on a platform, like maybe 15 
feet, 15 yards behind, um, like the, behind the ab goalie. And so you, you were raised a little bit, but I wasn't necessarily as, I didn't notice the tripping quite as much because I was just trying to follow the puck and take in the scenery and, and all that stuff. But then when I, when I got, when we were after the period, I was looking at Twitter and kind of started to see the videos and it was, it was pretty apparent that it was going to be a problem. Yeah, I'll, I'll give the NHL credit for trying it because the views, I mean, during the actual game were spectacular. But what were players doing with this nine-hour break? I, I saw some stuff where guys had too much pre-workout so they couldn't go back to bed and stuff. Just what were guys doing? Yeah, so I, I talked to – we talked to a few of the Avalanche players about it. They they went back to their hotel, which was about five minutes from the rink. Um, they took showers because – so there actually weren't showers in the locker rooms because the hotels were so close. So they went back to the hotel, they showered, they got some lunch and then kind of rested and, and tried to sleep. I know Landis God said he was, he was worried he wasn't going to be able to sleep, but he got an hour of sleep in. <laughs> so, and then they came back to the rink at, at before the 9 PM start of the second period. Do you think they'll ever go back to Tahoe? I get it. You know, they'd ideally want to have fans in there, but do you think it was a big enough success to make them want to go back maybe for just one more game or two? Yeah. I don't know about Tahoe specifically. I I don't know if they would have necessarily enough space to set up like as, as many, as much fan seating as they would like. I could see them maybe going to another scenic location though. I know this was, was something that they thought about for a long time, the the idea of going to a really scenic space and, and playing a game there and kind of making it feel like a rink was dropped in the middle of the wilderness. Um, so I, I, I could definitely see something like that. I don't know if Tahoe's the destination because of size constraints or, um, again, the sun problems. I mean, it's it's probably they don't want to make that mistake twice. Um, but I, I, would, I would think that it's possible they could go to a, another – Seeing venue, though, I do think that they're going to want to have uh, fans like at these these like a, a good amount of fans because I think they do value that. And I think this year is kind of an unusual circumstance with the pandemic where they kind of just had to figure out something on the fly. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the numbers came out as the highest regular season game ever. Obviously, you're not really making as much money as if there were fans there. But let's get into the abs a bit. Like, I mean. They're pretty much the expectation team across the league. Like they're, it's copper bust there. They had their little COVID COVID bout, I guess, last week. They've split their last four with Vegas. Just what do you kind of make of them right now? Yeah, they're in an interesting spot. They uh, the Vegas series was interesting because it does feel like in the West Division, those two teams are the best two teams in that division. With maybe the Blues lingering. I mean, I think it's hard to count out the Blues, um, but. I think those two teams probably are, are a touch above the Blues talent-wise, and they're both pretty deep, deep clubs. So I think it was interesting to see how um, how they matched up, and it was a really fun four games. It almost felt like if both teams are healthy, that's destined to be a really long playoff series, maybe six or seven games. Um, and, and I think the Avalanche looks pretty good. I mean, they, they played the first two games down five skaters uh, with, with co- due to COVID and stuff, and they split those two, and then they – split the last two as well with Flurry playing really, really well on Monday night. And I, I think it's definitely an interesting, interesting matchup and one that the abs are probably expecting to have again. Overall throughout the season, I think they've been solid. I think maybe people thought after the off season that, like you said, they were kind of the darling pick to, to win the Stanley cup. And I think that they maybe didn't come out as fast as some people thought, um, but really ha- I, I think they have been playing well of late where before the stoppage they took 
um, I think uh, four of their the five games going into the stoppage and then split with Vegas coming out of it and now have a, a bit of an easier stretch of schedule with Minnesota, who's okay on Wednesday night, and then a few games against the Coyotes. Peter Barr, our guest here for Coco Vodka, Coco Rum. I want to ask about the goaltending. I mean, Philip Grubauer, he's obviously a solid goaltender. Do you think he's enough, though, for them to get past Vegas in a series? I mean, I know you got a little bit of St. Louis bias. So you're going to give them more credit than I think they deserve this year. But, I mean, Vegas is the real contender with them here. And Do you think Philip Grubauer is the guy to get it done? Totally, yeah. I, I, well, I, about St. Louis, I don't, I don't <laughs> think they're at the same level as as the avalanche or the or vegas but i think they are a team that's experienced enough to to maybe be able to push one of those two teams um i think that with in in terms of grubauer i think the organization is very confident in him and i think he's good enough to to take the ass to where they want to go if he's healthy but that's the big thing last year he he got hurt in the playoffs and then the backup got hurt in the playoffs and they lost to the stars in seven games in overtime um so it's, it's one of those things where if he's healthy, he appears ready to be the guy. I mean, if he's, if you were to vote on Vesna winners today, he's probably in the top four or five guys. He's been excellent. Um, I think that the question I'm curious about is how over the next little stretch where it's really condensed and you have, I mean, they have four games in the next six days. In March, they have a ridiculous amount of games. I'm really curious to see if, uh, how the backup goaltending holds up because Francois is out right now um, and, and they don't have an experience number two. So Grubauer is going to need to get some rest because the last thing you want is for to go into the playoffs with him unrested. All right, Cody and I are both Western guys here. I was in Vancouver a couple of years ago, saw this kid quarterbacking their power play at age 15, Bowen Byram, uh, obviously stud defenseman. He hasn't really produced much. I don't know if you're really expecting that to assist in 12 games, but what do you make of him right now and, and his ceiling with the Avalanche? Yeah, so he hasn't necessarily shown up on the on the score sheet a lot, but he has had some moments where he's looked really, really solid. And I think it's clear that since he's been available, he's played in every game. They haven't taken him out of the lineup, and they've liked how he's played. I think in the... Arguably Colorado's biggest win in the ser- of the season, the, the game before the outdoor game where they were playing down, I think, like five, six guys um, and, and won with a last-minute Nazem Kadri goal. Byron played more than 25 minutes that game. He assisted that goal. He certainly has had some rookie moments, but I think that's to be expected, and he's certainly someone that the Avalanche are excited about and really should be. He looked like, I mean, he was great at World Juniors. He's shown flashes. Now that he's in the NHL, um, and I think it's one of those things where the more experience he gets, the better. And they're they seem pretty committed to playing him going forward. Can we start some trade rumors here, Peter? Because do you think Joe would maybe mortgage a little bit of the future for a guy like Eichel? I'm not saying Crosby's available, but hey, if he is, you got to think that there's some conversations happening. But do you think Col- or Joe in general would be going for one of those big names? Um. It's tough. I, I don't think Crosby's leaving Pittsburgh. I think that he's going to be a lifer there. Um, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe it'll, it'll be a situation where he leads late in his career, but it just feels like he's destined to stay there. Um, I think that it might be tough this year to, I guess, with the, the they don't have a ton of cap flexibility right now. And I mean, I guess they could find ways to match salaries and make it work. But I, I think that it might be tough to, 
to bring someone like Jack Eichel into Colorado as, as I mean, it would certainly make them instantly uh, cut favorites. I would say if they had someone like that, but I think it would be a tough trade to pull off. And I don't know if Colorado would be willing to give up a Bowen Byram or someone like that, that, that Buffalo would probably want to, to make that trade happen. What do you make of the, I guess for the Avs, like if there's a complaint you had with the team, what uh, what it would it be with how they play or, or what they need? And I guess part of the tough thing in Colorado, as Cody kind of mentioned, is they can add cap space right now, but with a Kale McCarr extension, McKinnon's is four years away. But you know that that's basically going to triple in salary. Just what do you what do you think the Avs need right now to really solidify themselves? Yeah, I think they're the one thing that they maybe could could see use a boost from is their maybe third line uh, scoring. The production there hasn't been necessarily what what they've needed this year. I think that JT Comfer had 30-plus point seasons the past two years going into this one, and he has, I think, two points, and he's played in every game this season. So they need a little more out of him. I don't think I, – I, it is also one of those things, though, where he could get going in the next few weeks and then it's – is fine. It's, it's hard to, you don't want to be too reactionary and overreact to a slow start or anything like that. But I think maybe their, their back two lines maybe could use a little more depth. They have some guys, but I think that there's, there's some, some room to, to improve there. Okay. I got one more, but really, I just want you to tell me that I'm right here. I mean, is Kale McCarr leaps and bounds ahead of Miro Haskinen and Quinn Hughes or what? Ooh, that's a tough one. I don't want to make uh, Dallas and, and Vancouver fans too mad, but he's pretty he's pretty exceptional. I think he he makes at least one play every night that even if it doesn't lead to a point, he's just like he, he's such a good skater. He's such an amazing skater, and it's really fun to watch. And the advanced mat- metrics have really loved him. And I think that he's clearly if you were to pick one young defenseman in the league, it's either him, Haskinen, or Hughes. And he's he might be my pick at this point. He's looked exceptional. So headline: Peter Boss says Makar for Norris. <laughs> he's he's on the Your he's on the train. But, uh, I mean, but he's got a shot in the next few years. Like he he's a really good player. Peter, uh, just lastly here, I want your predictions for the for the West division. I mean, getting that number two spot opposed to a number or a number one spot opposed to a number two spot could be the difference between playing Arizona or St. Louis. So does Colorado have what it takes to get one over Vegas or, or where do you see that playing out? I think they have what it takes. I think if I was to predict today, I would still probably go oof. Man, you're putting me on the spot. I think I think right, maybe right now I'd go one Vegas, two Colorado, three St. Louis, four Minnesota. Um, okay. But I think I think that that is very subject to change. I mean, Colorado would have been tied uh, in points with Vegas if they had won on Monday. Um, so so if <laughs> that honestly might have switched my prediction. So I think it's going to be pretty close between those two at the top. I think St. Louis will figure things out enough to be solidly number three, and then it'll probably be kind of a, a mess of teams fighting for that number four spot. But I think Minnesota's actually got some guys and could be, uh, I don't think they could really do much in the playoffs, but I think they could be a solid number four seed and lose yeah. five. Cody, Cody ripped me for my Capri's up Calder pick, but it's actually looking pretty good. Peter, give yourself a plug here. Where can people find your stuff? Yeah. The, um, you can find me at the athletics website. I'd love to, 
love to interact with my readers and I'm on Twitter at Peter underscore Baugh. My last name is spelled B-A-U-G-H. Awesome. There you have it. Peter Baugh, Avalanche writer for The Athletic, brought to you by Coco Vodka and Coco Rum. Peter, thank you so much. Yeah, and uh, thank you for having me. Back after the break, World Hockey Report coming to you live. World Hockey Report on 12 Ounce Sports. Huge thanks to Peter Roth for hopping on there as writer for The Athletic. Go check him out. It's World Hockey Report presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts, the one-stop shop for quality RV, car, truck, or marine parts and accessories now open in Edmonton. Go check him out on St. Albert Trail Northwest. Please be joined now. We got Brennan Clack on the show. Self-proclaimed hockey and NHL insider. Follow him on Twitter at NHL Update. Brennan, how's it going? It's going good. I'm, I'm glad to join the show. I've, I've seen seen you guys uh, many times before and it's just happy to, to be finally part of it <laughs> it's a big day you can check this one off your bucket list <laughs> no i mean what what a game last night i mean oilers canucks that was a great game but again there's bigger news i'd love to just dive into that with you but i gotta ask i mean there's the, in the whole panarin situation he leaves the rangers there's a ton of reports out of russia latvia doesn't seem to be too much weight held there but i mean i know you're you're pretty in touch with everything nhl what's the latest you've heard yeah it's one of those things we got to be a little bit careful about because we're talking about russia. Some serious allegations <laughs> and we're talking about russia and you know, it, it, it sounds like the thing with 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 Andre Nazarov is that he's not a guy that that is a notable, credible source to me. Like Andre Nazarov was a was an enforcer that was a bit of a nutcase. He has been a nutcase in the in the KHL. He's been a nutcase as a coach. So it's it's one of those things where we have to pause and, and look at who's saying what. But at the, at the end of the day, it's still a serious allegation. We have to kind of wait out and see where it goes. But there's a lot of denials from Panarin's ex-teammates about any kind of assault happening. There's a lot of denials from the New York Rangers who who are defending Panarin all the way through this. And obviously with the political background to this situation, the fact that Artemi Panarin is, I think, the only player I can think of from Russia who has been so open about being anti Vladimir Putin. It, you got to think that his family could be somewhat involved here in their safety. And Panarin just wants to make sure that this doesn't spiral out of control. So at the moment we're, we're kind of starting to see that, that the, there could be cracks in the story, but we have to wait and see with all the legalities, what happens first, but it, it doesn't sound like it's too credible, but it's a serious allegation. Yeah, this I mean, this is like CNBC Fox News stuff where it's like so like real world stuff. It's it's wild. But this morning, Claude Julian gets the axe in Montreal after back to back shootout losses in Ottawa. The team hasn't really played great the, the last couple weeks of the season. Are you surprised that Montreal did this? I mean, five million this year and five million next year isn't exactly anything to to turn your head about, especially in a pandemic world. I was a little bit surprised only on the basis that, you know, Montreal Canadiens came out hot out of the gate this season. A lot of love for them. That that, that tweet that, that Chris Johnston had about about Montreal being a juggernaut, that, that has been made fun of in the last few weeks. But they were really good to start the year. And they're they're deep up front. They've got three lines that can all score. They've got some solid pieces on D. 
I think Jake Allen was a big piece for them in that he's he's playing really well this year. Price, it's been up and down, but it's still Carey Price. I think that Claude Julian gets the axe today because of the special teams. Because you look at Montreal's special teams for the last three years, their power play consistently is a bit of a dinosaur power play. They still rely way too much on Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie and the blue line to get the shots through rather than down low pressure, which the best power plays seem to have. If you look at the Oilers, you know, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl trading the puck down low gets them a lot of success versus when it's all run through Tyson Berry. And, and no, the, the defense still plays a role, but Montreal, it's all the defense when it comes to their power play. Their power play has been consistently in the 20 to 30 range, uh, more in the 2025, I guess. And their penalty kill has been consistently around 18th, 19th, and I think Mark Bergevin just wanted to see some, like he put a lot of investment in this team this summer and, and the, by summer, I mean, October, just the timelines are all messed up. So you're always like, Oh, this summer. Uh, but I think that, that they want to see more investment payoff and the special teams aren't working out. They're on a slide. He just didn't like what he saw. And uh, Dominic Ducharme is a great coach. I mean, I think that the Team Canada gold medal win in 2018, that team played really up-tempo, good possession team, had a good power play. I was really impressed with that win, and he was at the head of that. So I don't think that Ducharme is an unqualified guy to be taking over. But I was still surprised because Claude Julien, 5-on-5, this team is second in the NHL, only behind Colorado. And five on five, this team is is relentless, and it just they weren't scoring lately. And 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 you guys, you have guys like Thomas Tatar in the doghouse, and and he hasn't been able to play too well. Philip Deneau doesn't have a goal, but they just need to change. Do you think uh, that Crosby or Mall can get moved here? I mean, they're two they're they're two huge. I mean, Pens guys. But do you think that there's a chance that Hextall and Berg say, hey, we got to blow this up. Let's get rid of them. I think it's one of, like, if you really listen to their press conference when when they first hired Hextall and Burke, it kind of sounded like, okay, we're going to try to win this season. We're going to try to go for it this season. We want to try to get a cup. But there wasn't a lot of commitment for what happens after this season. And that was interesting to me because we've heard a ton of rumors in the past about specifically Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. I really have trouble seeing them trading Sidney Crosby because Sidney Crosby to me is the, is the face of the franchise that he would have to come to them and say, I want to go. I don't think they're going to ever trade Crosby without his consent and his desire. But Evgeny Malkin's a more interesting story because I'm not entirely sure. He's Russian. He's he's another Russian guy for the program. But I, I, I think that, that Malkin has had moments this year where he hasn't looked nearly the, as the same player. And there's moments where he's turned it up a little bit. But if they wanted to shake it up, Malkin's a guy where I don't know if he has the same kind of loyalty that Crosby does in terms of him being able to choose where he wants, like when he wants to leave. I think Malkin, they would be more willing to go, oh, we got to shake it up. It's him that has to go. Or even Latang. But it won't happen this season. You might get a seventh rounder for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just a cap dump, you know? Yeah. The... <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of cap dumps, Jeff Skinner's been healthy scratched 
twice in a row in Buffalo. Um, buying him out really doesn't do much. It's like a Bobby Bonilla 15-year thing. Um, just him and, I mean, Eichel, there's rumors all the time with him too, but he hasn't played very well this year either. And then Taylor Hall's there as a free agent. Just what's uh, what's going on with the mess in Buffalo? Well, it's it's a mess. The it's century-long mess. mess. Sure. Uh, now, one of the things in Buffalo that's been really unfortunate is I thought that Rasmus Ristolainen was having maybe his best start in ever in his career. Like Rasmus Ristolainen's had trouble with the minutes he's received in the past. His shot uh, suppression was zero, basically. Like he was not a very good defensive player. But this year he started out really well, and then COVID hit him really hard. That was really disappointing to see. You have Jake McCabe, who's now out forever. And all of a sudden, Buffalo's blue line is getting really depleted, and it looks pretty gross. And not to mention, you know, the, some of the forwards in terms of scoring haven't, haven't materialized. I mean, Eric Stahl looks like he really doesn't want to play there. And that's just from, from what I've seen. He looks he like does. he's a, sh- a shell of what he, what he was. Um, but I, I, think, I think that there's been a lot of bad luck for Hall and Eichel. I, they, they have really low goal totals, but they ha- they've had chances. I think the key to Buffalo is going to be what happens to Taylor Hall. If you re-sign Taylor Hall by the trade deadline, that gives Jack Eichel a bit of a, oh, okay, ownership is still putting in the money and the time to try and do things for me. We're losing, but you can see that the, the effort put into it. I don't know if that guarantees Eichel won't trade requests, but it's it's a message to him that they're still putting in effort. But if they trade Hall... And I'm Jack Eichel, and I'm I'm seeing another kind of rebuildy move where you trade another good player away. Then I can absolutely see him asking out this summer, and and that that's just uh, Buffalo is not forced to trade him by any means, but it just causes a huge organizational mess, and it it doesn't look great. Well, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Calgary's a perfect spot for Jack Eichel. Would like to see the Eichel McDavid Battle of Alberta. I think that would be perfect. Clack, buddy. Hey, thank you so much for coming on here again. I know it's short notice again for you as well, but we appreciate you hopping on. No, glad to join. I mean, glad to talk about uh, the implosion of the Buffalo Sabres at any point. It's always a fun ride. All righty. Thanks, buddy. Right there, Brendan Clack joining us here on World Hockey Report presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts. Okay, quick, let's get to our Quack Stats benching before we got a few more topics to get to. So who are we going to bench today for our friends at Quack Stats, the most advanced player tracking technology? Who are you sitting Oh man, there's there's a couple. The Mariners CEO or whatever who said like he was sick and tired of paying like interpreters salaries and stuff like that. And then he called one of their starting pitchers, Marco Gonzalez, boring. And then I mean he eventually resigned, but it was pretty pretty questionable stuff he said. <laughs> I do not follow baseball that closely, but yeah, that seems like uh and have the Mariners like been good of no they're like, they're a, like I don't like they had ever they had like good. a Hall of Fame pitcher Felix Hernandez for like 15 years and he was the best pitcher in baseball and they just did nothing with him he never pitched in the playoffs <laughs> now he throws like 83. Seattle's the most overrated city in America as well I'm just gonna throw that out there. Quack stats uh who am I gonna bench here this is oh man we just keep digging on it but I mean she doesn't do herself any favor when Cassie Campbell Pascal. I mean, talks about Austin Matthews being better than, you know, yeah. Connor McDavid. And I get it. So you know, Cassie. she's, yeah, you know, there's, you can look at the family ties and what organization they're working for, what team she works for. 
But still, to say something like that, you can ask any player in the NHL, and I guarantee you, I'll say 100% of them are going to say Connor McDavid's better than Austin Matthews. And so for someone in the media who's in the stands to be less than that 1% being like, yeah, Matthews is better than McDavid. I think, you know, he's a better all-around player. That well, all-around player is such a BS, like, take two. <laughs> like, McDavid's like, been good defensive. Like, oh, yeah, I there's so many things. I don't understand the the whole defensive this and that stats, but that's literally like me when I pick on Connor McDavid for being a minus one and he's got five points. Like, guys, pump the brakes. Clearly, I'm just trying to point out a funny stat, stir the drink for the Edmonton Oilers fans that go nuts on Twitter. But it yeah. to say and Matthews is a better. Let's keep in mind Matthews plays with Mitch Marner full time. Connor McDavid plays with Brian Nugent Hopkins and Jesse Pugliarvi, who was in Finland last year. And I mean, Nugent Hopkins is a good player, but Mitch Marner makes. 11 million dollars more for a reason right well look at who mcdavid's played with the past few years he's been playing with guys making 900k and athanasiu who where where's he where's he i know it's uh clearly mcdavid is number one in the league uh before we get to our no let's do our better than night i guess for my bookie.ag just first off on okay. the Buffalo, of Buffalo, I just, I was going to. Yeah, no, no, no. Sorry, I guess I didn't even recap that interview. Yeah, uh, Buffalo, I mean, he says they have to re-sign Taylor Hall, but $9 million to Jeff Skinner, $6 million to Kyle Okposo, $7 million to Taylor Hall. That's $22 million into, like, I I don't even know, like, into, like, one decent player. And then you had Eichel, that's $32 million. You're, like, basically Toronto with, like, <laughs> Very like not as good players. No, we're close, right? You're Toronto with like three third liners making, <laughs> making that much. So I think he he made sense though that he brought up the fact that like do they want to keep Jack Eichel happy? And if Eichel says, "Hey, the only way I'm staying is if you sign Taylor Hall," then I get it. I'm but sick of I, the whole Jack Eichel happy thing. Like, oh, like we gotta just prod ourselves on this guy. Like he's a good player, but I mean, he has was he have two even strength goals this year? Like, like sure, maybe maybe he's been unlucky. Yeah. You're you're harsh on him, but I still think I mean if Jack Eichel is in Calgary, you're seeing a totally different guy, and I think he would rip up the league. Yeah, I I mean I won't just he's disgusting. That. He skates so easy, he shoots the puck unbelievably. Yeah, I'm a fan. If you can't tell, already better than night. Mybookie.ag use promo code one two oz sports all caps no spaces. Mybookie.ag they're gonna match your first deposit up to one thousand dollars. It's one two oz sports all caps no spaces. Calgary Flames plus one twenty five on the money line. Book it. They're crushing them again. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually gonna go. We had Ryan I'm, Leslie on the show, and we can't even toss the Flames a bone. Well, I mean, that whole interview we do, we did with Ryan was basically like blow it up this and that. But um, no, I actually am going to take the Leafs puck line. I'd assume Freddie Anderson's back playing tonight. I'd assume that David Riddick no, goes I'd, back to be. Oh, I thought I thought I seen Anderson wasn't playing. I didn't check, but if it, it if he is, yeah. Regardless, I mean, I I really don't know what to make of of Big David Riddick. And, yeah. I still remember, though, he had a hot start in the league, and I was the first person in the world to call it. Why? Thank you very much. My uh, quit stint over in Czech Republic. He was like Andrew Hammond. You can't even compare the two. Hammond played, what, like 30 games? Riddick's been in the season for four years now. Hammond also, went like how about Burke going on Twitter and chirping Fridge again? Yeah, that, that was thing. funny. 
And then, yeah, he's like, we made sure Mark wasn't even remotely related to Frege. That's a good one right there. Uh, any other news, like hockey news that we missed? Uh, did I shout out Brandon Hagel for his first NHL goal? Yeah, Little Hags is a beauty. Yeah, sick goal there. We talked about the fight. Uh, are you a reality TV person? Uh, you, I no, you don't that. have a you don't have a lady anymore, so you're not stuck on, in front of it. No, I watched the what's it called? Um, there is a really that Love Is Blind show on Netflix. Right I, didn't, I didn't watch that one. I didn't Hilarious. watch that one. That's Hilarious. uh, we're watching Temptation. Uh, not The Bachelor's kind of run its course. I'm a big Big Brother fan. Yeah. Big the, kind of big brothers. Temptation Island's funny. The too hot to handle. You ever see that one? Yeah, on Netflix. Yeah. The the Love uh, is Blind one was funny just because like it was like during the whole like legit quarantine thing yeah. where it was like uh the big cat would would they'd like review <laughs> it as a joke on their show and it was so funny. These people would go and like talk. Obviously, like you can't see them, but they would just go and talk and then get proposed to and then just start crying and then like <laughs> Like, because they were just, like, so happy. And then they went to Mexico, got absolutely, like, like, everybody hated each other by the end of it. And then there's this this guy who was, like, 24. <laughs> it was just, uh, it was a funny show. And then the one dude said he was, like, like non into girls. It was, it was wild. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get into it. I think I missed, like, the first couple episodes. And I was just, like, I'm not getting caught up here. But I, I'd way rather watch reality TV. I mean, make fun of me, say whatever you want, than, like, a fake TV show. Like, uh, I'm not watching like something like NCIS or, you know, like shit like that. I got no interest in watching. Give me reality TV and sports all day. Also, I mean, big soccer guy, a lot of soccer coming up here. That's what I'm going to be watching. Uh, and make sure if you're putting out bets, mybookie.ag, promo code 12OZ, sports, all caps, no spaces. I'm telling you, they'll hook you up. All right, that's going to do it. I mean, shout out again. Big, big, you know. Big thanks to our sponsors who make this possible. Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. Go check them out. Cocoa Vodka, Cocoa Rum. And hey, Quack Stats, my bookie. Now, Lord Go Auto Parts, the presenting sponsor. Now open in Edmonton on St. Albert Trail Northwest. Go check them out. Huge thanks to Ryan Leslie, Brennan Clack, Peter Bow. Bow? Bow? I always mess up his last name. Bow. Great. Bow? Bow? Yeah. Great writer, yeah. though. Go check him out. One of the best for you. Like, he's young, too. Good St. Louis kid writing for the Avs. Caught us up on Lake Tahoe. Podcast is going to be up Spotify, iTunes, wherever you find YouTube. our podcast. YouTube. YouTube as well. Go check it out. We'll tweet out the link. Adam, any last thoughts? No. Um, I got a midterm today. I had one last night, so I'm just I'm grinding right now. Pick C. When in doubt, go in C. All right, that's going to do it. World Hockey Report presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts. Until next week, everyone, be kind, be better. Be better.